Hello and welcome to Living Heritage, a show about people who are engaged in the heritage and culture sector, those who keep heritage alive at the community level. I'm Dale Jarvis, and today's guest is Diane Carr. Diane Carr is a Spaniards Bay native who recently resettled in the community after retiring from teaching. Diane became involved with Spaniards Bay Heritage Society two years ago. Her father was one of the founding members of the society, and she decided she would like to carry on his legacy and give back to the community by getting involved with the summer programming and helping to promote their small museum. Diane, welcome to the show. Oh, thanks, Dale. Thanks for inviting me. I'm delighted you're here. It's nice to see you in town. Yes, <laughs> I don't often get a chance anymore to travel over the highway, but, you know, it's always nice, always something to do when you're in the city. There is. There's always something to do around the Bay, too. It always seems like there's all kinds of events. I'm always amazed at how much stuff is happening. Uh, you know, Spaniards Bay, Bay Roberts, that area seems really, really active, um, especially when it, when it comes to heritage and culture. There seems to be a lot happening in the communities. Yes, that's true. And I think the reason is that people now have come to realize over the last few years in particular, I think, that, you know, there's so much uh, just surrounding us. And people have taken a definite interest in looking over their heritage and genealogy. I think those websites where people can look up their ancestors. And I think that's really made a big difference. Yeah. So I want to talk a little bit about your personal connection to Spaniards Bay. You you grew up there as a girl, were you? Oh yes, I did. I was born there in 1949. Um, one of five, second oldest in our family. Um, my maiden name is Folky, which yeah, we were one that. of the founding families actually. Oh, okay. Interesting. Uh, when Spaniards Bay was settled in 1705, um, and as a matter of fact, my dad. Uh, and it still, of course, is in the family. We have the original deed to our property uh, back in the mid-1700s. Um, and when I uh, chose to move back to Spaniards Bay and we built our house, we built on family land that dates back to that era. So if there are people who are listening from outside of the, the outside of the province or townies who don't ever leave uh, <laughs> their borders, where is Spaniards Bay? Well, uh, traveling out west from St. John's and you take the turnoff uh, to uh, Veterans Highway, mm-hmm. which is uh, Route 90, and travel down. And, uh, of course, that highway now just connects all those communities. So most people are familiar with Bay Roberts, Harbor Grace, Carboneer. Unfortunately, Spaniards Bay has been one of those communities that unless you have somebody living there, it's kind of been overlooked. But I'm hoping to change all that. <laughs> and it's kind of halfway between uh, Bay Roberts and, and Harbor Grace. Kind yes, of in that approximately. Yeah. yeah. And it's a lovely place. It's, it is a lovely. It is a lovely community. Yeah. It is, and it does have a lot of really nice features. Um, of course, Spaniards um, history says that you know the Spanish uh, came and settled in that area. There's some conflicting opinions on that whether or not they actually settled there. Yeah. Um, but I think there's enough to show that at least they frequented the harbor, and. Um, there is a rumor I cannot verify, but uh, apparently there's supposed to be an old graveyard, which has long since grown over, that I guess some Spanish sailors who got ill 
at that time, and they were buried. So maybe they just came ashore long enough to bury their dead, and off oh, they went again. Yeah, I hadn't heard that legend. That's 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 interesting. Yeah. Yes, yeah. it is. So the Vokies, the, are, are you related to the famous uh, boat-building Vokies in, in Trinity Bay, or is that a totally different Vokie um, family? It is a different um, an arm of the family, if you want to call it that. Um, so I, I guess like most people in Newfoundland, if your surname... Uh, is the same, then you can trace back <laughs> at some point yeah. where it was connected. But interestingly enough, um, those Vokey, that Vokey family, we have reconnected with them. Um, but I have to tell you this as a little aside. My mom, who was a Hiscock uh, from Winterton, um, back in the day when she first started teaching, I think the second place that she went teaching was in Trinity, mm-hmm. and she stayed with the Vokey family. So Henry, who was the famous boat builder, yes. yeah. um, he was a pupil of hers. Oh, go on. And so it was that family that she lived with and boarded with at that time. The following year, she moved to Spaniards Bay and met my dad, Vokey, and married. So it's kind of a coincidence. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It is a small place in yeah. some ways Newfoundland is. Absolutely. So what was it like uh what was it like growing up in Spaniards Bay? Well, I I guess it was similar to many other small towns. Um, you know, everybody knew everybody else. So you did a lot of traveling, visiting with neighbors and so on. That we had our own little cultural traditions. Um Every community was linked, for sure, and you knew people in the surrounding areas. We didn't often come to St. John's. That was kind of a big deal. You came to St. John's if you had a doctor's appointment or, you know, it was something really special going on. And, of course, a lot of people didn't have vehicles um, in those days, in the early days. And I'm talking like the early 50s. I think we got... I think Dad got our first vehicle. It might have been 55, 56 around that time. So it was a big treat to come to St. John's and to drive around the bay. (laughs) But, you know, otherwise you took the Fleet Line bus. And, of course, there are many, many stories connected (laughs) with riding on the Fleet Line bus. And you would come in down to uh, George Street, the other end of George Street. Yes, Yes. it was the old bus station there, and it was across from, well, approximately where City Hall is today, like the old hall. City Hall, I think, was maybe just a yeah, little further. Yeah, where the steps further. are now on George Street. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So, but, you know, growing up, I guess, was like most other people. We had our games. We had our friends. We walked to school. Um, and, you know, like even back in those days when there, was, there were no school buses and very little transportation, everybody walked. And... I don't really remember that we had a lot of days off from school, even stormy days. And my dad was a teacher, and he was very dedicated. So if he had to go, we had to go. Right, yeah. So your dad was a teacher and your mom was a teacher. Yes. Is that how they met? That is how they met. (laughs) The school romance? Yes. And uh, my dad, um, actually, he, he... lived in Spaniards Bay, but in, uh, he taught for 11 years in Tilton, 
which was as a close community on the up, way to Harbour Grace. Yes, kind of, yeah. but it was a good well, it's probably about ten miles. Yeah. So he walked every day back and forth from there for eleven years. And, of course, my mom, she taught in the little one-room school, which was very close to where my dad's family lived. And um, once they got married, that pretty much put an end to her career. Right. Because in those days, that's what happened. Once they were married, that was it. And uh, and so, yes. And that was a big deal back then because she lived in Winterton, which Trinity Bay, and it was very difficult to get back and forth. So it was, you know, it was quite a big thing to move, and 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 my dad was from a big family, so there was a lot for her to learn in those days. Yeah. So you, your father was involved with the historical society, the heritage committee, and um, and now you are. Uh, so yes. what 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 prompted you to get involved with the heritage committee? I guess in the beginning, I was just really taken with the building and some of the things that they had collected. And when I saw that, you know, well, you know what? We do have things here. We do have a history. Mm-hmm. Um, I just I just thought, like, yes, this is something that I think, you know, we can do a lot with and we can maybe improve it on so many levels. Um, so I started just reading up a little bit on on how, you know, other people had been involved. And uh, I thought, yeah, I think this is something that, a way maybe that I can help give back to the community that I was raised in. Yeah. And when you mentioned the building, the building is, uh, it was a Methodist church. Yes. That then was a United Church of Canada church. And then that was decommissioned and, and it has become the local museum. Uh, or interpretation center and, yes. and visitor center, yeah. Yes. It started out as... Um, as a as a little museum, um, the original society members, I think their their aim was to have a place where they could house a collection of um, not necessarily antiques, but things that represented um, the cultural, religious, social lives of our ancestors, mm-hmm. um, and our mandate. Um, was um, written to support that and to emphasize that anything prior to 1949 are those things that we should be considering and things that show how the ingenuity of the people in the community, how they used materials and recycled things, Um, which, of course, now today, recycling is, you know, the end-all and be-all. But, you know, it really is not that new. People were poor in those days, late 1800s, early 1900s. I mean, my mom and dad, you know, they went through the Depression years. Everybody was poor. So you had to make do. You had to use things over and over and over again. Nothing was wasted. Yes, yeah. So what kind of activities is the is the Heritage Society engaged with these days? Well, apart from adding to our collection, and we've actually been able to, you know, have some really nice things in our collection that we're very proud of, um, we are also trying to promote the Heritage Society. 
the building itself is very, you know, is architecturally sound. Mm-hmm. Uh, there were some renovations that had to be made, obviously, when after it had been decommissioned as a church, a lot of repairs had to be made. But once those were done and, and the building was solid again, then it was a perfect place for us to showcase the artifacts and memorabilia that we had collected. Um, so having done that, when I came on board, I felt that the Heritage Society, we should branch out and try to encompass as much as we could of the whole community and nearby community um, that, you know, could help us see that, okay, there are other things out there. What about other buildings in the community? What about the activity, the lifestyle of people, photographs, interviews? So that's kind of been my focus, I guess, is to try and get people more involved with the oral history right. of our community as well as the visual side of things. Do you do you have many people in the community who still uh, have those old memories? Or, I, I mean, we, we face this issue everywhere in Newfoundland mm-hmm. where communities are, are aging, you know, and we have a lot of old people and and you know, people die all the time, and that we know that they have great stories. Hmm. Is that a challenge? In your oh, community? very much so. And I think everybody is faced with that. And and we keep saying all the time, you know, we need to capture these memories. Yes. We need to interview people. We need to talk to them. We need to write things down, record it, however we want to. But you know, these people are slipping away, and every community is faced with the same thing. But you know it behooves us as a population and we're all aging so we are we we are (laughs) and you know we we may not want to face facts but it's (laughs) happening dale it really is every time i look in the mirror i think the same thing so i think every opportunity we have to engage our older people our elders and to get their memories and their experiences i think we really need to you know Get, take those opportunities wherever they are. Yes, absolutely. I know you've been interested in doing some uh, some work around the the two world wars and collecting some stories and artifacts around those because uh, again these are these are memories that will fade you know in our in our lifetime you know we 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 don't have any World War One vets uh, left with us anymore and 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 soon we will reach a point where we don't have many Second World War vets anymore either. Mm-hmm. That's very true and um, yes and I became involved. We did apply for some funding um, and we. Um, um, described some projects that we might like to get involved with. Our local legion has been very, very supportive. And indeed, they have kind of a small museum housed within the legion facility there, which is absolutely fascinating. It is an amazing little space. Yeah. It, what, what is the name of that room? That's the- um, I think they, they call it the members room or the memory room, or at least that's what I call it. Yeah. Um, because, and I've tried to, you know, include that in as many ways as I can, any kind of PR that we do. And um, I established Heritage Walks last year, and we're doing them again this year. And so on our Heritage Walks, this is one of the places uh, that I'm very proud to point out and bring visitors to. So maybe tell us about the Heritage, walk us through the Heritage Walk, if, oh. if you can. How, explain, maybe explain how that got started. How did you decide to do a Heritage Walk? 
Well, in I looked at the surrounding area where the church was located, and we were talking about all the historical places in the community. And it just so happened that everything was really, really close. Our Holy Redeemer Church, which is at the top of Church Hill, was built back in the 1800s, around the same time as the Methodist Church, actually. Um, And then we have, next to that, we have a very, very old, well, I think in the community in Tilton alone, there are something like seven graveyards. So we know that graveyards themselves are a very huge source of historical fact. Yes. And um, so there was that, and there was the, uh, we have an NTA memorial plaque there because the first meeting of the NTA Teachers Association um, took place there in Spaniards Bay. And as another little aside, um, my dad actually was the one that recovered the minutes of that first meeting, which were housed, um, I'm not sure exactly when, the time frame was, but the old Anglican rectory or the old school, I guess, there was a fire. And so things were burning, and my dad, being a teacher, was trying to rescue as many books as he could from (laughs) the flames. And uh, one of the things that he rescued were the minutes of the first NTA NTA meeting. meeting. So when they had their uh, 100th anniversary, um, they established the plaque there right on the hill. And uh, so that was kind of a big thing. And then apart from that, also in there's a whole loop. If you go down the other side of the church hill, there's the old stone house, which um, was built by uh, William Donnelly who came to Spaniards Bay. He was a shipbuilder and a businessman. Um, And so there's a big history involved in that. And then if you go around the bottom of the church, there was a big, huge stone wall there. Yeah, it's quite an impressive stone wall. It is. And there's a plaque on that um, uh, stating that it's, um, well, the wall itself was built to shore up the foundation um, of the church. And the wall is called the Lassie Wall, L-A-S-S-Y. And the reason it's called the Lassie Wall is because when the wall was being built, they couldn't afford to pay the workers money. So they paid them with jugs of molasses. (laughs) That's a great story. Which I guess was gold back then as well. And then continuing on around the point, as we call it, then the Legion is right there on the left, with the harbor being on the right. And so we would stop there, and here we have the memory room, which we have oodles and oodles of facts and historical data and artifacts. Amazing photographs, walls of photographs. Oh, just amazing, the history that's contained in there and the stories that go along with it. And then next to that, we have the uh, Loyal Orange Lodge, Number 15, No Surrender, which, again, is just a veritable treasure of information and just, uh, well, there were so many things that happened back in the day, and they have all that 
history. Mm-hmm. So, it, yeah, and then from there on, and we would just continue on, and I would point out other landmarks like old businesses that had existed, um, community people that were involved. We have a little park and gazebo named for Harold Goss, who was another um, uh, person of uh, renown within the community, where our old forge was located, the blacksmith shop. We have you know, the hearse house. We have two hearses in our museum. Um, so, yeah, like just, and all this within like a half an hour walk. So it was just too good to miss. And do you do the walks yourself or do you have staff that, that run them? So far, I have been doing the guide uh, part of all the walks. I have taken the interpreters with me so they know um, how it goes. And we actually have a brochure that we developed with a little map. And we have all the features of our walk outlined within that walking tour. So I guess I still do the walks because I'm maybe the chattiest one. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And I tend to come alive when I'm doing these walks. Yeah, that's good. And there's definitely, you know, there's room for more walks. And we have discussed, you know, like, okay, these are other things we can do. So perhaps next year we may we may develop it even further. Yeah, you know, I, I have an interest in heritage walks. That's certainly something that's close <laughs> to my heart. And uh, and I think it's a great way for people to explore their, their history. It gets you out of the museum and walking around and, and maybe um, seeing things uh, in a slightly different way. I, I find when you're in a car and you're driving through, you just you just whiz past everything. And, you, and when you're out walking, you can stop and you can look and you can kind of explore that heritage and that history in a in a deeper, more meaningful way. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And Dale, I'm sure, you know, you, in all of your travels and events that you've been involved with and people that you've met, you've you've probably heard a lot of the same things. But it's unfortunate that, you know, the people who live in the community are the people often less likely to know about these things that we have. Um for example, you know, just our little museum building, we have local people coming through the door and their first comment might be, oh my gosh, I didn't even realize this was here. I I didn't know that you had these things Mm, inside. And so that to me right now is the biggest challenge is to just get it out there to our local people and to say, look, this is our heritage. Be proud of what we have and, you know, what we can show you. So school children, they have a heritage fair every year and and um, members of the society are invited to go and act as judges. So I was very pleased to be able to do that. And then we display some of the winning um, uh, projects inside the museum. What, what kind of activities or events do you think are most successful at getting the community engaged and involved? We They started a Sunday by the Sea 10 years ago, which focuses on local musicians, and we have that on Sunday afternoons. So if it the weather is good, we can perform at the gazebo. If not, they do it in the garden by the church or in some cases even inside the building that draws people out people love music Mm -hmm. 
And so, you know, we get usually a half-decent turnout of people there. Um, if we have special guests like yourself, um, then th that always generates an interest. Um, we have an annual garden party, which is coming up actually next Monday, and it's part of a week-long Lassie Days festivities for Spaniards Bay in the area. So we're hoping this year that we can get more people involved. Um, and then the heritage walks are becoming more successful. Um, we are very, very fortunate that we have the complete support of our local churches, the Legion, the Lodge, um, and our town has been amazing as well. If, if there was a community that wanted to start a heritage walk, um, what kind of practical advice would you give them? What have you what have you learned in a, in a practical way? Well, I guess I would say first of all, really research the buildings and the history behind what you want to include in your walk. Make sure you have that information um, as as much as you can. Get it factual. Um, talk to local people around especially older people who might be able to offer you additional information. Solicit um, the support of the places that you want to visit. Um, and then, you know, try to get the information out there. You can start small and you could start with one building and try to generate some interest or two buildings. Um, and it doesn't have to be, you don't have to go inside. Like I just found that walking with people and stopping and pointing out things and, but having a brochure really, really helps because people can take that away with yes, them. Yeah. Do you charge for your walking tours? Oh, no, we don't. We just, uh, do it it's a, just part of our service, service yeah. and uh, we just, you know, we just enjoy being able to offer those things to the public. Yeah. You, you mentioned that you have in the museum a, a number of, of artifacts. I know we're getting close to the end of our time here, but uh, do you have a favorite artifact or favorite object in the museum collection? Um, I don't know if I have a favorite. We have some really neat collections, um, but we recently acquired a really neat um, item. And this is a shawl a black shawl that was worn by this lady, a Mrs. Goss. She purchased it with $25 that she had given to her. And I believe, if memory serves me, I think it was around 1902. Um, and she purchased she was given $25 which you can imagine it's been a lot of money would have yes would yeah. have been a lot of money at that point in time anyway she purchased this shawl that she could wear to church um over the years the family moved and so on and the shawl got handed down through the generations it just came back to us recently um from i believe a great grandson who was was current has just I think died, um, but was living out in, in BC, and uh, as luck would have it, one of our members from Spaniards Bay, who used to be on the Heritage Society and is more or less our local genealogist historian, um, they visited and brought this shawl back, and so we have it on display in the museum, and it is in excellent 
shape. And the story, there are other stories connected with this particular shawl. I personally, since I became involved with the museum, it's been such an eye-opener for me. I have learned so much about my own community and its history and heritage. And every time I learn something new, I just get that much more excited (laughs) (laughs) and want to pass it on. (laughs) If people want to visit or find out more information about the Spaniards Bay Heritage Society, how how do they find you? How do they track you down? Well, if uh, the town website, which is uh, www.townofspaniardsbay, you can access there and go uh, slash committees and heritage. You will find a description there of what we do, um, and there are contact numbers, and we endeavor to pass everything along to the town. They will put it on their website, so any upcoming information, events, and so on will be posted there, as well as photographs. We also have our own Facebook page, Spaniards Bay Heritage Society, which we keep current. So anything that's happening during the week, you can find there, as well as photos and any kind of little interesting anecdotes. Uh, We attempt to keep everybody up to date with those. Okay. Well, great. Well, thank you. You've been a, a font of information about Spaniards Bay. It's been great, some great stories. Uh, and thank you. And we'll all, we'll all have to come out for a walk. Absolutely. <laughs> we invite everybody, please come off the beaten track and come to Spaniards Bay and visit. We would love to see you. There you go. Everyone, there's your invitation. You've been listening to Living Heritage on CHMR, and this is a program that is a a cooperative program between CHMR and the Intangible Cultural Heritage Office of the Heritage Foundation of Newfoundland and Labrador. CHMR Radio 93.5. I'm Dale Jarvis, and our production assistant is Tara Barrett. You can find us online at ichblog.ca, or you can download the podcast on iTunes. Thanks for listening.